All right, welcome into episode 27 of the Greatest People You've Never Met podcast. Joining us today, uh, renowned author, former uh, player of mine, which is awesome, uh, Sam Gallenberger. How you doing, brother? Great. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. Uh it's been pretty pretty wonderful to watch your your journey you've been on here, and I think it's uh, I don't know, man. I just find it extremely fascinating. So thanks for joining me. Uh, introduce yourself for everybody listening. Yeah, I mean, long time listener, first time caller. Yeah, but, thank uh, you. Um, what do you want? Like my life story or what? Whatever you think the people need to know about Sammy G. Uh. What do the people need to know about Sammy G? Well, I played two years under Ben, uh, SPFL, South Central Hogs. That was a good time. Since then, I've realized that uh, contact football hurts as you get older. And I've transitioned into, uh, well, I, I work in insurance, which I was listening to the last pod and you guys kind of segged into uh, the ex-player goes into insurance route. Yeah. But uh, on top of that, I've started my own novel series, and here we are today. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm extremely fortunate to have uh, been able to meet you. Uh, you grew up, I believe, in uh, Eden Prairie, if I'm correct, that area. And so you came down and spent a couple summers with us and uh, played with, you know, under Matthew Wood as well, who's been on the pod and uh, just uh, just a great A dude getting to know Sam and uh, was a, a real treat to coach. Just yeah, can't say enough good things about him. But the, uh, I, the reason I, I have Sam on today is his uh, novel series. It's pretty exciting. I think it's, I think it's incredible uh, that people's brains work like that to be able to drum up a couple books. So uh, I guess let's start there, Sam. Tell us a little bit about your novel series and, and what's going on with that. Because there's two novels out, right, in the series? Yeah, yeah, yep. So... I definitely want to recap some of the football stuff at some point. But yeah. yeah, as far as the novel series goes, uh, so in, we'll go from the beginning. Back in like 2012, I had thought, man, it would be really cool to make my own superhero something. But I didn't really know how to do it. So in the meantime, oh, would I lose you there? No, you're good. Okay. In the meantime, I just came up with all these ideas that would make really cool stories. And I tried to tie it together as best I could. Well, time went along and I was like, God, it'd be really cool to film something, but then you need props, you need a big budget and all this stuff. And then I'm like, well, maybe I could start writing like a comic book. And then I was like, I forgot how to draw at 10. Yeah. So I can't do that. And like, that's super expensive. Like paying for people to draw art is crazy expensive. Yeah. I was like, all right, what else can I do? And I was like, well, I like telling stories. I like stories of every medium. So it's like, I write a novel series. It might take me a while, but why not? So it was like 20, 2016, I think, is when I started really working on writing it. And then it, when you're doing like your first one, you're so, you're such a perfectionist. Sure. You want everything to be perfect. So it's like, you're, you're really afraid to put it out there. Yeah. And then like, so it took me forever to get that done. I started in 2016. I didn't release it until like mid 2021. And then when the first one is out, it's like, Oh, okay. This is, I got myself worked up over nothing. Yeah. And now you just pump them out. So I put one out in March of this year. I have one coming out in December. I'm going to try and put out like three every two years. Um, for the next like couple of years, I'll take like a year off. But with, I mean, because I had like essentially nine years of planning and heads up, sure. like I have. 30 some entries planned. It always varies. It's like 
32 right now, but like my writing schedule currently goes through 2040. Really? So you have it planned out. I mean, essentially for the next 18 years of how you would like this series to go. Yeah. I mean, it's not like perfect, but of the 32, I'd say I have a full plot for 25 of them and like a rough idea for seven. Sure. Uh, that's incredible, Sam. Uh, so how does, I mean, obviously, like you said, you had a huge head start on the first one, right? Like you were planning that one out since 2012 and kind of really getting what you wanted to do wrapped up into that. So when you start writing, what's that process like for you? Um, so my process is I always start with like, okay, I usually, I'll see something like, man, that's a cool idea, but what if this happened instead? Yeah. And then I usually build my idea around that over time, you know, that comes with characters and whatnot. Um, but so I, I'm very heavily into the planning element of it. Sure. Like I have a 10 page outline going through like what's supposed to happen what are supposed to be like key emotional beats you hit? Like, what is this character's core belief system? What is this character's core belief system? Why would these two characters be good adversaries? Yeah. When do I want to see this character again? So um, I work really heavily on putting together like an outline. And then from there, it's just really expanding on it. Yeah. And then rereading and rewriting like okay this kind of sucks like let's let's change this or like okay i liked this idea a year ago but it would wake work so much better if i did it this way instead so then you have to you know rewrite a bunch of chapters and you go back to the beginning to make sure that it all still makes sense sure um but it's a lot of just you write and then you revise and you edit that's that's what most of it is and so with the first one taking you that long and then I'm, I mean, obviously you've wrote the second one. So it was Crimson Arrow, right? And then Sapphire is the second one, correct? Yep. Boom, boom. There they are. Um, and then what is it? And you have the third one you said coming out in March. Yeah. And that's obviously already done, right? You've already wrote that book. Uh, so I have like, what do I have? Uh, like 103,000 words right now. And I've, I'm going to try and trim it down to like 60,000. So I'm basically just in the, okay, I need to shrink this to make it more concise without trying to actually lose any of the important story elements. Sure. I'll have i I'll toss it over to my buddy who's my editor and then, um, I'll start promoting it and it'll be out by December. It usually only takes like, once I get to this stage, it probably only takes me like a week or two to really go through it, trim it down and get it ready to send to the editor. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, so you said it takes you a week or two to trim it down. So what's that, what's that like? I mean, what's, what goes through all that and how many different, is it just you reading it or is there a, a trusted group of people that you're having read those stories and help you trim it or, Hey, maybe, you know, cut this part out. You know, what's that like? Uh, so for the first two, uh, early on in the process, I had like, yeah, I had a trusted group of people go through it and, um, you know, tell me what they liked, what they didn't like. I also had like more of like a professional for lack of a better word, like dumb proof it. Yeah. Like what parts of this are stupid or like what parts of this don't make any sense? Cause like, I don't want that to be in there and they're like, Oh, you could do this. Oh, you like change the perspective. Like this might've switched too much. And it's just a bunch of feedback. Um, that that's like, that's earlier in the process. That's like, Hey, here's my core idea. Now I'm going to let them read it. Sure. And then, take the feedback and then whether, you know, they like it or not, I can make adjustments based off that. And then I go forward. Yeah. Um, so as you're planning these other segments or other 
books or stories in the in the series, right? How does that figure into the current book? You know, knowing what's down the road mentally as you're as you're writing that, does that take a toll into how you're writing this book? If you know what you want to accomplish down the road, or is it kind of like let's get this part done, and then if we need to change stuff down the road, we'll change it? So I have general plans for like everything I've done already and like where all these characters end. Okay. So, um, there, and there's like, you know, as you write stuff, you figure out this works better. This works a little bit, you know, this might not be as good. So there's a little bit of wiggle room, but I have like concrete story arcs that I'm going to go to. Um, and it's not so much, it doesn't really take a toll on you because like, as soon as the Crimson Arrow's done, well, then I'm writing Sapphire. Sure. And then as soon as Sapphire's done, I'm writing Durden. And then as soon as Durden's done, I'm on As Good as Dead. So, like, as soon as one's done, there's really no time for me to be, like, worrying about anything. Like, I'm go, go, go. I'm on the next one. Right. Now, that makes sense. And I, I think that's probably the best. I mean, I don't know shit about writing, Sam, but I feel like that's probably <laughs> the best way to attack that is just kind of keep going and never really let that slow down. Um, but to kind of pull it back a uh, ways, I guess has, has writing, like, I know you said you wanted to do like comic books and come up with like kind of a, a, you know, uh, your own like uh superhero story, I guess, or superheroes, but has writing always been something that you've enjoyed? Like back to, you know, being in high school, is there like poetry or like speech classes or something like that, that really like, sparked you on this stuff no like furthest thing from it really like hated poetry hated like public speaking hated english class like I, i like to draw a lot and like i don't know artistry has always been something that's like really cool to me sure but then like like i said at like 10 I wasn't good at drawing anymore. Like the, you know, the little doodles weren't acceptable in terms right. of art anymore. So like I went a long time where it was mostly just like sports working out, whatever. And then I kind of, you know, started figuring out like, Oh man, like there's all these superhero movies coming out. There's all these superhero shows coming out. And I liked so many of these and like, no, I have no formal writing training. Um, I didn't go to college for it. I didn't really like it in high school. It's literally just like storytelling in all mediums fascinates me. Sure. Like it's in sports with like, I mean, just in the last week you had like the Tom Brady Giselle stuff. Yeah. Like that's a story that plays out for the rest of the season. Like regardless of what happens or not, like, You can apply it to anything like professional wrestling. Yeah. Like another, I'm a big fan or like anime books, movies, TV. Like there's so many different mediums that stories can be told in. And I like to think that I'm pretty good at coming up with ideas, the writing, you know, mediocre passable, but like I come up with pretty good ideas. So that's usually helped. Yeah, no, it's it sounds like it, and I, that, that's I'm still kind of hung up on in my brain on the fact that you said you have your writing schedule out to 2040. Um, you know, a little sports <laughs> reference: the Gophers just scheduled Alabama home and home 2032 and 2033, and I thought that was crazy. And here's Sam Gallenberger yeah. pretend he's going to write till 2040, not pretending you're going to do it. That's that's insane to me. As long as I'm alive. Yeah, no, yeah, keep planning, dude. That's. That's incredible. Um, so you do have another book, not to push away from the series because I have other questions, but you do have another book out, um, turning 50 bucks into $250,000, which I'm sure a lot of people, what's the secret? You just throw everything you own down on, on red and keep doing it at the table <laughs> and hope it turns out or what? Yeah, no, so... One of the other things that I really got into quickly, like right out of school, was I got obsessed with investing. Okay. And just like 
learning all about mutual funds and bonds and stocks and all that good stuff. And I had like, when I came out of college, I literally had $50 in my checking account. Like that was it. And like I came out with a, what was my degree? Exercise science degree. Okay. And like, I'm, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was still playing for the hogs a little bit at that point. I think that was my last season. And I was like, man, if I like, I have to figure this out and I have to make sure that like I'm taken care of in the future. Right. So like I actually ended up getting a job with uh, Aldi right out of college. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like right away, because I was lucky enough to just like be able to live with my parents. I didn't have to pay any rent. I just started throwing all my money into investments, which is like the perfect time because sure. like 2016, 17, 18 were all just incredible. Well, I think 18 was bad, but like a lot of great investing years. And like my, I had just the minimum lifestyle and expenses. Yeah. It was work out, go to football, eat, work. That was kind of it. Yeah. I was just like, I need to make sure that I have no debts of any kind. I need to make sure that like, by the time I move out of here, I'm perfectly set to be like fully independent on my own. So like, I probably only spent, if you take away like gym fees, like $4,000 the entire year on stuff. Incredible. And the rest all just went to investments and I saw some nice gains. And then, you know, the next year you throw in a little bit more and you know, it compounds. That's the beauty of starting early. So up until, uh, this last year, which has been brutal. Yeah. I was making a lot of money in investments this year. Not so much. Yeah. It's it's that and maintain. It's like the, the core elements of the book are essentially like, you have to have accountability for yourself. Yeah. Um, you have to be responsible with your finances. And, you know, people are so nervous, like writing a book to start something like investing. But once you're over that hump, it's the fear is gone. It's right. like, oh, I'm already in. And people are so afraid, like, oh my God, my investments are going to tank. Like, what? You're not taking it out tomorrow. Right. Like it's, you're, you know, working until 50, 60, 70, whatever. Who cares if it goes down 10% tomorrow? It's going to be up 500% in 2060. Right. And that's the important part that you're protected in the long run. So. And how did you find, I mean, how did you go about forecasting some of the stuff you were putting your money in? So like when I was back home, uh, I had, I've had Bart Clayton on. I'm sure you've listened to that episode. Bart uh, was general manager at Fastenal and I coached high school football with him. And Bart and I kind of started a, like an investment club back home and we would meet every Wednesday uh, or once a month on Wednesdays and everybody, you know, would come and pitch your stocks and we would each put in a hundred bucks every month, you know, just, just kind of to learn the market with other people. Right. And so um, it was always interesting to see what people brought to the table. And I think with anything, right. People's relative interest impact everything they do it impacts how you spend your money obviously how you invest your money um how you live your life it really impacts everything so for you um what was what was kind of your forecasting and looking for some of those things or stocks i guess sure sure yeah so i almost entirely ignore stocks um sure i'm mostly into the mutual funds and i so my grandpa was really big into it at Vanguard. Okay. So I had him as kind of like my mentor, I guess, to, you know, kind of tell me the signs to look for because he's done really well. And then he he uh, he showed me a newsletter that I bought. It was like a hundred bucks for two years or something. I think it was uh, the independent advisor. I think the guy's name was Dan Weiner, but he would just break down, you know, every fund at, um, at Vanguard 
And then it'd be like, okay, this is what's hot. These are the issues that are going on this month. Here's where we're thinking things are going to be on the horizon. So like, I didn't need to be the expert. I just listened to the experts yeah. and let them make that call for, you know, hundred bucks and cup of coffee with my grandpa. Yeah. Can't beat it. Probably a pretty good memory that you'll have forever too with your grandfather. Oh, yeah. So that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um, Something that you touched on, uh, and this is, I know you listen, so you know how these interviews go. I bounce all over with my ADHD, but uh, <clears throat> something you touched on earlier uh, was kind of some of your, uh, like maybe some fear that went into to writing the first book. And as somebody who produces content, right, I, I know that feeling well. Uh, those first couple podcasts, if you listen back, if you're just starting to listen and you start to listen now, Listen to this episode and then listen to episode one and hear the tone in my voice. It's incredible. Um, <clears throat> but it's just one of those things. I think no matter what you're doing, you're always, you can, and I'm big on it. I say all the time, I don't care what people think, but you always do a little bit. You always are a little, right? For sure. Right. You're always worried on that outside perspective or are people going to like this? Am I wasting my time doing this? Whatever. Uh, but for yourself, because it's something that I think is important since I've been doing it. What's something you can share uh, to somebody that's kind of on the verge of doing anything, taking any leap? What what advice did somebody give you or what what just helped you push through? Yeah, no, that's great. And you're kind of mimicking like, I mean, I don't know how familiar you are, but like I've been, it's kind of silly, but like I've been watching uh, like a good amount of like Mr. Beast lately. Yeah. If you know who it is, the yeah. YouTuber. Yeah. And he says the same thing. He's like, watch my videos at the beginning and watch them now. And the videos at the beginning are terrible. Sure. But I got a little bit better each one. And then you get a little bit better. And it's kind of like the same thing. Like you said, the tone of your voice or like in my books, I guarantee you in 10 years and be like, oh my God, the Crimson Arrow sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but like that really, it just comes down to, and like, I hate to sound so like simple and blunt, but just do it. Yeah. And because there's so much mental buildup in your head that is completely unnecessary only because you're uncomfortable and because it's um, like it's unknown ground for you. Right. But the second you're over it, you're like, oh, that like, I don't know what I was so worried about. And like, if it sucks, it sucks. So what? Like in my case, I have, you know, 32 or whatever left. Right. So like, I have a lot of time for it to get better. Like no one has come out and made the greatest video or podcast in the history of podcasts or YouTube or whatever. And their first video right. just hasn't happened. Right. Yep. Like just do it and try to get a little bit better every day. It's, I hate to sound so simple, but that's what it is. No. And I love it. And I think that's kind of been the common theme. Everybody I've asked, you know, uh, I'll think uh, most people that I've had on here have kind of turned a passion into a career. Cause I think that's really cool to be able to do that in 2022. And I think our generation of people from, you know, 35, maybe even that 45 to 25 year old right now is thinking and looking at the world so much different than the generations ahead of us. Right. Um, I mean, like I tell my dad all the time, uh, I'm sure there's people that listen to this who know who it is, but there's a guy who lives next to a friend out here and his name is Huskers and he's a streamer, uh, on Twitch and, uh, he plays Warzone and, he won like a $90,000 tournament and then like three weeks later won like a $40,000 tournament. So that guy played video games over the course of two weekends and made more than the average American household, right? So I think it's pretty incredible to watch people such as yourself take these little things that, hey, this really interests me and I'm going to do it and do it and then be successful. But like you said, it just comes down to doing it, which... It's, it's the only message, but I, I love to hear it more and more from people when people just say, you know, you just got to do it because it is simple. You're right. Well, and we're in unprecedented territory. I mean, like our generation is so much different because like we grew up like playing outside right. and then like phones popped up like, you know, later. And then we didn't like 
people weren't addicted to phones and like when I was in high school that right. came like later so like we're technologically sound but like we've also seen like the other side of it like we're just beginning with all the tech stuff I mean I read something recently that like YouTube is supposed to like triple or quadruple its profits in like the next four or five years easily and and it's there's so much untapped ground for things like this or you know other types of videos or whatever that are going to just be huge like there's going to be someone who's a billionaire in 2030 who's not on youtube yet but will get big on youtube and it's just like crazy to think yeah, absolutely. No, you're 100% correct. And it is crazy. And I think you're right. And I always I say it a lot. I think we're the luckiest generation because we've got to grow with the the technology, right? It's kind of always been like we've led up. We oh, we understand this and it takes small learning curve and then we're there. But we literally watch the world go from corded phones in your house, only communication to everyone yeah. in the world having a phone. And here we are 1500 miles apart doing a video chat, recording a podcast. Right. So it's just incredible yeah. to see it. And I think you're right. YouTube is nuts. And if I'm sure that people that listen to this, I go to YouTube a ton. I learn a ton on YouTube, oh, oh yeah. but you can also tailor your YouTube to that 1%. And you might be on I don't think people realize how expansive that library is. And, oh yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And I'm sure for someone like you, who's into the mutual funds and into, you know, writing books, I'm sure that you've learned a bunch from different things on YouTube that people have oh, never seen. Sure. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many things on YouTube that like you used to need a book right. to, like learn or like someone, you know, to have experience. Right. I mean, any problem you have, you can just type in how to on YouTube. Yeah. And there's going to be a million videos of it. Right. Like it's the most insane resource like we've ever had. And you just, you know, you look at trends of stuff and <laughs> you try to like figure out, okay, what makes these people successful? Like, what font do they use? What colors do they like to use? How do they layer their thumbnails? How do they use text? Like, what do they use to retain an audience during the video? How do you start? How do you end? Like, it's fascinating stuff. Like, when you look at some of those, like, upper echelon creators, every second of that is completely planned out in, like, every single way from, like, the color, the sound, the verbiage, the you know, telling a story, right. Hooking you all of it. It's, it's insane. And it's very motivating. Yeah, no, it is. And there's a, there's a ton. I mean, I've met, I've been fortunate to meet people through the studio and I, it's, that's the, that's the message. No matter what you're doing, no matter what you want to do, you get, you got to take the leap. The leap's not going to take it for you, you know? So if you want to get, you got to right. put your feet in the water. So that's incredible. Um, so you kind of said you wanted to touch on it a little bit, but I'm going to try to bring this full circle uh, obviously sports was a big part of your life and shout out to you sure. for taking away a stigma of football players being dumb and not cool. Um, you, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, you kind of changed the game. Um, but also I think it just goes to show and it's another thing I love and talking to people is that I think we do a really bad job in 2022 of stereotyping people into things based on what we know of them from a distance and then uh -huh. to d dive into it and see how individualistic everyone is. Like, everybody's so different. That's another yeah. thing that I really love doing about this. But as you've wrote these books, as you've done your investing, what did sports teach you or prepare you for in those situations? Or maybe nothing. I, I don't know. Um. I would say that, I mean, the, the, the real common theme between all of them is essentially if you want to get results, you have to work hard. Yeah. And like you have to be consistent. Like you can be the fastest receiver in the league, but if you can't run a route or catch a ball, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. And it's like with investing, 
you have to be in, you know, you have to jump in and be dedicated to like, okay, I really need to understand how the market works or like, or, you know, I really need to have someone incredibly reliable to take advice from, or like in, in writing a book, you have to be like, okay, if I want this to be an actual novel, like I'm going to have to work really hard, not only to get, you know, 60,000 words out, but to make sure that, you know, there's an actual story here. These characters grow, there's stakes, there's emotional beats that, um, you know, something setting up a sequel, like there's little teases here that like I get right now, but the audience might not get for 10 years. Sure. So it's so far down the road, but like all of that was planned. Like that was just me setting time aside to write it down come up with all the stuff, work on it really hard and plan it out. And it's like, you know, running a route. Right. All right. So, yeah, I think you're absolutely correct, Sam. I think that everything goes to planning, right? And I think um, I think it's, it is. You have to do the work to see the results. Also, um, how much... How much has competition driven you in those two market spaces, whether it be, I mean, there's, I know I'm not a huge reader, uh, um, but there's billions of books in the world and it's like, you know, kind of coming back a little bit, but uh, everybody, anybody could, could write a book and it probably would suck if you just wanted to be like, I'm just going to write a book. But what was there? I guess, is there something you compare yourself with or like kind of kind of compete with yourself with with your books at all? Um, like, yeah, I think that part's a little different from sports, because like when I'm investing, I'm not competing against anyone else. Right. Like, I don't care if my neighbor has twice as much money or half as much. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm right. just trying to make as much as possible or like when I'm writing a book. Like there's obviously like, okay, what has worked for these people? But at the same time, I like, they're all self-published and I, yeah. as, as someone who likes to, you know, expand on their own creativity, I kind of just like, Hey, I'm going to put out a story that I really like that, you know, hopefully audiences enjoy. If I make no money on this, I'm still going to write 32 books because I think these are stories worth telling. Right. And if, you know, I don't make a dime from it and I go, you know, I lose tens of thousands of dollars putting it out. So be it. Like it's going to be a fun experience for me. That's kind of like where it ties in with sports, I guess. It'd be like, you know, sports are fun. That's why I did it. Right. That's why I like football, but. Yeah, no, good for you, man. Uh, that's a that's that's a fun tidbit. So I guess I I, I do kind of want to turn it a little bit towards sport because uh, that's how I know you, and I wouldn't be yeah. you know pleasure of knowing you obviously without the game of football. So uh, I guess because I guess I really don't even know how you even got linked up with the South Central Hogs. So maybe go into that. I do remember you coming to like a little tryout thing, but. Um, I mean, how did you find your way in, in Truman, Minnesota gym in the middle of December once? So I was hanging out in Mankato in my dorm room with my roommate, Jeff and, uh, Jordan Pogals had been on our flag football team. Okay. And he goes, Oh dude, you wouldn't believe this. Jordan put all these sick pictures of like a flat or of like a actual tackle football league on his Facebook. And I was like, what? No, let me see this. And I look and like, here he is scoring a touchdown in like his first game or something. I was like, that's cool as shit. Like, yeah, I went, I went to Eden Prairie. Like I was a third stringer because there's 120 kids on that team. And you know, the four DBs above me are all getting college scholarships. I'm like, I feel like I have more to offer athletically than I did in high school. Yeah. So, um, me and a different roommate's, um, boyfriend that's later down the line (laughs) ended up going to a tryout and it was fun, but like, I think it was kind of like the same thing 
as like you start with investing or like um, with the books, I was like really nervous to do it without a friend or anything or sure. without literally knowing no one. So I didn't do anything that year. And then the next year I was like, you know what? I'm doing it no matter what. I don't care. So I went to the tryouts and then I, I don't know if like everyone made the team or if there were cuts or something, but I remember I was talking to, I was like, buddy buddied up to Sipple at one point. And he's like, don't worry, dude, you're good. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. I mean, we kind of did. I mean, there was people, we just had to kind of like politely tell like, sorry, you know, like don't see really a fit for you uh, here. And, and so, I mean, I guess you can take it as a cut. And some of those people, they, they came back and they paid their money. And that's what makes those amateur football teams run is people that just were like, that's fine. I just want to, you know, be a part of it. And so, I mean, those people yeah. are important too. And, uh, but no, I do remember, I mean, your story a little bit there coming from Eden Prairie, uh, you know, Matthew and I saw that and we were kind of excited. And then you're like, well, I never got to play in high school. And we're like, that's incredible. Cause if you didn't go to one of the bigger schools in the state of Minnesota, there's no doubt, you know, just your technique from day one was, was incredible. And then you transitioned into a heck of a player for us. And I know Matthew has some really good things to say about you and he'll enjoy listening to this podcast, but, um, I guess, you know, I don't know how many people that are listening to this ever went to a large school like that. Uh, I know, you know, obviously I live in Scottsdale, Arizona. There's some very large schools here now. Um, But uh, what was, I mean, what was that like athletically? I mean, there's guys probably about your age that are playing in the NFL right now that you played with, like Carter Coughlin, uh, Blake Cashman, a couple of those guys. Uh, But what was that? Yeah, yeah. My sister. yeah. So, well, I mean, what was that like for you to be in that kind of, I mean, talk about it being a small fish in a big pond, uh, the opposite of what I talked to Carter Kirk about, but what was that like? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Like there's never any, there's never any, there's no lack of opportunity to compete. Right. So, I mean, everywhere you go, there's, <laughs> someone better than you For sure. it makes it really good to get good and i mean the coaching there is just top notch yeah like they so you're going like they don't cut anyone but i guarantee you every single player who sticks it out and goes through yeah. is infinitely better from like when they started but one of the things that i thought they taught me that really helped me when i got to like the spfl was just like, look, we get it. You're growing up in the backyard. Like everyone wants to hit the bomb. Like yeah. everyone wants to go deep. Like we get it. Like that's what you see on TV. That's not how you win football games. You win it by beating teams up in the trenches and be and being more patient than them working the short stuff. Right. That's how you win games. And as a corner, I'm never going to get beat deep and no quarterback is ever going to be patient enough to beat me on a hitch or a slant or an out consistently. And it worked. Like, I don't think I got beat deep once in two seasons. No, you didn't. You didn't. Uh, (laughs) That was the thing we loved about you. You were, you were, uh, you were quiet, Sam. I think this is the most I've ever talked to you, if I'm being completely honest. We've been on on, on FaceTime here for about 45 minutes, and I coached you for two years, and this is the most I've ever talked to you. Uh, Absolutely. You coached offense, I played defense. That's true. But uh, you were were extremely quiet, and you always did your job, and I don't don't think – uh, there's enough people like that, especially in that stuff. You never, you never had any, yeah, it was, it was, it was a pleasure. Uh, but, uh, what, uh, were some of your favorite memories, I guess, from the SPFL as we get to winding down? I know that, like I said, uh, I'm sure there's people who are like, oh my God, Ben's talking about football again, but I wouldn't know 90% of these people if it wasn't for the game of football. So we gotta, we gotta wrap that in there somehow, some way. So what were some of your favorite memories there, Sam? Uh, for sure, like at the start, because um, like I talked to Matt and he's like, well, we got Dakota and we got Alex Rogers, who you guys all referred to as Richard Sherman at the time. Yeah, we did. So it was like, but, 
but we're going to get you in like, like, and so I'm like, Oh, okay. Like I'll play some Nickelback. I'll get some snaps or whatever. And like in the first half of the first game we ever played, I don't even know who the team was. Um, I think we've the first year we were playing up in St. Peter playing the shock. Yep. 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 And we're like, and Alex, no offense to him is getting just torched. Yeah. (laughs) Because he's, he's playing up, he's playing really aggressively and they just keep saying like the hike, they beat him off the line of scrimmage and then they're just lobbing it over the top. And Matt's like, we, we can't do this. So like, it was either right before the half or starting the second half, he benches Alex and puts me in. I'm like, all right, well, all they're doing is throwing the deep stuff. I'm just going to play off. And then their offense just fell apart. Right. They're like, oh, what do we do? Yeah. So that was one of like my favorite things. I like, if you go back, uh, I don't know how often you talk to B Wood, but I would always tell him like, dude, I am the worst player on this defense. <laughs> and like, that's not even like me being modest. Like the defense on this team is incredible. All I have to do is not get beat deep and not be an idiot. And like, if I'm the ninth best player on this defense and I'm not screwing up, we're going to be just fine. Yeah. And like, that's routinely what happened. Yeah, no, it was, uh, I mean, it was a blast to, to be around those teams. And I've talked on it on other podcast episodes, um, where people, you know, I, we, I mean, you played against some of those teams where there's guys out there that they should have never been on a football field, right? And those were the games where we'd show up and win 85 nothing, and that we wouldn't play yeah. a second half. And, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, we were very fortunate to have some really elite uh, talent on those teams. But, uh, you know, don't discredit yourself because I remember when we picked up John Wolf, I think you played with him for one year, right? John Wolf. He was our quarterback for a year when yeah, you were there. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, yeah, I remember him specifically telling, asking me where our corners played college football. And I said, neither one of them played college football. They played <laughs> high school football. And he was pretty shocked by that. But that guy, you know, he's the Division two Heisman winner of the Harmon Trophy. And so that's, I mean, he could see that. Um, but I do think that's funny. Uh, I, I doubt Alex Rogers listens to that. But I remember that well. Uh, and then we had some film from that and somebody was trying to coach up Rogers and he's like, leave me alone. He just screamed it on the field. And yeah, that we had a good laugh. Yeah. With no, like, yeah like, like when you look like Alex was so much stronger than me and like so much quicker laterally. Yeah. Um, and like, he loved to play that aggressive style of football. And like me, I'm like, dude, I'm just out here to cover. Like if I don't have to tackle anyone all day, like that's cool with me. Like these guys are going to run me over, but I'm not going to give up the big play. And he just like, he'd almost like get in his own head a little bit too much. Cause like the talent was always there, but like he would, he liked to play more aggressively and sometimes it wouldn't work out. Whereas like, when you're playing teams that are only trying to beat you deep, that's their only chance of winning, really. Right. I don't need to gamble on some of that stuff. No. And, like, you talked with Kirk and stuff uh, in the last one. Like, people probably – the one thing people probably don't give me enough credit for is, like, a short white dude. <laughs> it's – I could jump. Yeah. Not, like, you know, like, NCAA – one level jump but like I had like a 33 inch vertical or something at the time and I was really straight line fast that like people just wouldn't anticipate it like I remember one time um just in practice like who's number one was it Jerry yeah yeah Jerry was returning one and he had like a 10 yard lead on me and I caught him but no one else was paying attention but I'm like if I can catch him like I can catch anyone in this league. Yeah. No one's going to beat me over the top. I just have to make sure like, you know, I'm not facing any geniuses out here. And there weren't too many. There were three. I remember there were three receivers in the league that I hated playing against. It was, uh, 
Two of them were on the same team. That uh, team we beat in the championship the second year. Uh, so, yeah, so Brett Delaney and one of the Oates brothers. Yeah, they're yes. very good. Number Brett, seven and number eight. Yeah, uh, yeah. Brett listens to this every once in a while. So uh, shout out Brett Delaney. He was a real athlete too. Uh, he played at South Dakota State, so he was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seven and eight. He, he was seven, right? Yeah. Yeah, he was really good. And then, um, and I got a. I got a cool story that kind of highlights what I was just talking about with him. But um, was it the Rampage? Was that team in Iowa? DJ Jackson, I bet the other guy then. No, I don't. Number six. I think his, uh, his name was like Wyatt. Yeah. yeah. That dude was, that was the best receiver in the league for sure. And I was so happy he didn't come back for that second season. Yeah. He beat me like a drum every time I went up against him, including that scrimmage where he made me. His absolute bitch after uh, <laughs> Dakota Dakota before the game's like, you're following him. I'm like, the hell I am. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I think, Sam, you kind of touched on it. Uh, I think, Sam, part of the reason you're so successful uh, is because of – you know, in your investing and uh, in your in your books uh, is because of the mental aspect. And you touched on that, and that's why you're a successful football player. And you touched on, you know, that other kid, Alex Rogers. He was physically gifted, but you were just mentally prepared and, and mentally you understood what your job was and you didn't make it harder than it had to be. And I think that says a lot about you, and I think that's why you'll be a successful human going down the road um, and why you'll probably keep writing till 2040, to be honest. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I was lucky to go to Eden Prairie, which instilled that in me for sure. Um, real quick, because you did say Brett listens. I wonder if – I think it was him. It might have been the Oaks brother, but I think it was him. In that state championship game uh, or SPFL championship, whatever, it's it's the first half. And I'm coming off a high ankle sprain. Like, I missed the last two games before this. Well, we didn't necessarily need me because we were blowing the hell out of teams that year. But so I'm coming back, high ankle sprain. I'm like three weeks off of it. And it's in the first half and they fake like a bubble to one of the two. I just remember like both those guys, they line them up on the same side sometimes. Like, yeah, like both these guys are so good, but I bought on the bubble and one guy just streaks way down wide open. And the QB has, you know, he just lobs it up to him deep. And I, not after biting, I immediately turn my head, go back, chase it down, actually deflects the pass like in the end zone. Yep. Caught him like 30 yards downfield. And uh, I think we got to stop on that drive. Well, maybe we didn't, but that yeah, was like one of my favorite plays. Yeah, that, I do remember that well. That was a. Uh... It was a hot game, uh, but, yeah, that was a ton of fun. Um, I do remember a lot of those plays that you made. Talking about your vertical and stuff, you you, you always leaped out one hand, and uh, you, you probably you probably have the league record in pass deflections, if we're being honest. Um, but as we wrap up here, Sam, time flew, and I appreciate you spending an hour of your life with me. Uh, yeah, anything. What you kind of touched on earlier, I'm a nerd, too. I'm big into pro wrestling. Uh Favorite yeah. favorite pro wrestler of all time? Undertaker, Easy. no doubt. Easy. Which Undertaker, though? Ooh. See, unlike most people, I didn't get into wrestling until, like, late. Sure. So I missed, like, kind of the early dead man and, like, American badass stuff. Yeah. So I really, but I love the, like, post-return to dead man, like, 05 to 2010 taker where he's like kind of showing up every now and then having classic feuds like edge and batista and hbk and triple h like yeah that dude was incredible yeah that's a that's a solid pick there that's a good wick uh as i'm wearing my Dwayne the rock johnson t-shirt here tonight uh yeah a lot of people would pick him and it's for him or stone cold for sure yeah i think that's probably where i'd have to go i mean that's a good chunk of my childhood and I remember last year I did watch WrestleMania again and Stone Cold came back and was cracking beers and doing stunners to everybody. And nothing makes you feel 12 years old again than hearing that glass shatter and all of a sudden some beers being drank. But that's that's good stuff. And I know people are like, oh, my God, what nerds? Well, 
wrestling's real. Oh, so deal with it. Deal with it. It's good, man. That stuff hurts. Yeah. Especially WWE where you're traveling 300 days a year. Yeah, I don't know how you fall off a ladder faking it. So that's my big thing. <laughs> how do you? I'm to a flaming table. Yeah, how do you fake fall off a ladder, right? But uh, no, Sam, I appreciate your time so much. Uh, before I let you go, let everybody know where they can get your books, uh, what they're called, when stuff's coming out, where they could find you. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, probably the easiest way is just type in Sam Gallenberger on Amazon. There aren't many Sam Gallenbergers in the planet. No. So I'll probably pop up in case I don't. Titles of the the novels are The Crimson Arrow and Sapphire. Um, haven't figured out an exact date yet, but, you know, mid-late December, we're going to be putting out Durden, which will be the third entry. Um, i working on developing a YouTube channel. We'll get to that stuff later at some point. But uh, otherwise, I don't know, like Gallenberger One is typically the handle for like the stuff on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Yeah. Very cool. And uh, do you do some like uh, Discord stories or Reddit stories or something too? Did I read that somewhere? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So in between, like there is a little bit of a lull in between novels coming out and like short stories are really easy to write. So like for, you know, a couple months in a row, every Friday, I'd post like a scary story just because it'd be fun. And you come with a bunch of creative ideas and scary stories are super easy. You're like, okay, here's something, here's a situation. Now throw in a scary twist and yeah. it always works. Yeah. So it's just fun to do. Now that's where are, are those on discord or Reddit or where are those, where could somebody find those? Uh, yeah. I have my own, I have my own sub on Reddit. So, um, it's called war zone series, all one word. Okay. Uh, that's like, that's the series name I've been going by. So like, yeah, I, I wasn't aware of like war zone, the game when I came up with that. Oh. So be it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Warzone series on Reddit. Um, there's like 17 stories in there. There's also links to my books, um, links to, uh, like, I think I've got a couple of covers for books that aren't out yet are on there too. Oh, cool. But yeah. Very cool. Well, Sam, I appreciate your time, brother. Uh, keep killing it in life. You're doing awesome stuff. Um, yeah, dude, just, uh, it's super cool to see you be successful and do all that stuff. And I appreciate you spending an hour of your life with me and everyone listening. Um, everyone listening at home, like comment, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff till next time. Be good. Everybody. Mm,